This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Good evening, good evening. How are you? Great. What a comfortable place to be at. What a beautiful place to be at. Thank you very much on, on behalf of everyone, the cast, uh, Charlie Soap, uh, Christina Keel for being here tonight. Uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, we hope you enjoyed the film. Uh, it was, as you could tell by the credits, uh, there was a lot of people that worked on this film and I think if anything else it gives you a, a small idea of what people can do uh, if they apply themselves. Uh, and as native people, I think most of the time, all we've asked for is a hand up and not a handout. And so I wanted to make sure that we uh, explain that because when I was watching the film, and I wasn't in the film myself, but um, it reminded me of another community not too far from here, the Shumash uh, people from San Inez and the fact that they've done the same thing many years ago. Uh, now, obviously, they're successful, but for many years, they had to do the same thing. They didn't have running water. They didn't have the necessities that uh, we now have. But uh, again, working together, that's what can happen. And uh, now the Shumash people and Mr. Uh, Armenta is here tonight. Hello, how are you, sir? Welcome. Welcome, and thank you very much for what you've done for your people. And uh, next, I wanted to let Christina speak a little bit about uh, how you felt about the film and the job that you did on it. It took quite, a, quite an ordeal, I'm sure. And of course, Charlie and uh, his narration and, and acting in the film, directing. I mean, it was uh, quite an undertaking, but... Uh, let me uh, hear from you guys and see what uh, your thoughts were. Well, I worked with Wilma for 21 years on the film and, um, and never really expected to be the producer of the film. I, I sort of thought it was an important thing to get done and figured that I'd just get it started and then somebody who knew what they were doing would come along and actually do it since I'd never made a film before and in that sense the movie was a little bit like The Bell Project in that Charlie and I, you know, two people who had never done a water line before did that and two people who had never done a movie before um, did this. The advantage of having 24 years of 21 with Wilma and three with Charlie was that um, we got to really figure out what, who, that the, it's about the community, not about Wilma, because Wilma didn't want the movie to be about her. And so, after a little bit, I said, okay, Wilma, help me on this. How do we make a movie about Wilma Mankiller and not have it be about you? But um, she did. She wanted it about the partnership she, uh, with the community. We 
mostly funded it through, almost entirely funded it through the Wilma Mann Killer Foundation with the intention that any proceeds coming back to the film would go to um, appropriate media for Native Americans and economic development and education. And so, Charlie, you want to tell how you got involved in this project? <laughs> well, um, Wilma and I were home one day, and uh, uh, many times Wilma was not in good health, and we were home together that day. And uh, she said, Charlie, you need to go up the road and meet Christina Keel because she's coming over here to the house to talk about making a movie. And... Uh, I said, okay, so I went up the road. First time I met Christina was at the uh, turnoff to the house about three miles from the main road. And I heard him talking bits and pieces uh, early on. And then, uh, so as time went on, you know, they talked about scripts and reviewed scripts. And Wilma and I talked about it. And, and then, uh, I'd take people out to the Bell Project who were involved in this film, and then, uh, then as time went on, Wilma finally gave approval on the script that she uh, liked and said, this is good, and this is what we'll go with. But, but then she was battling cancer and this and that. And uh, so about eight days before she passed away, she called me to the ba- bedside and said, Charlie, you really need to help. Christina raised the money to make sure that the movie gets done. And uh, she said, and I want you to make sure the movie gets done also. And I said, well, I'm not a fundraiser. I don't know how to raise money. And she said, uh, I don't want to hear that. And I said, I've never made a film. I don't, I don't know nothing about filmmaking. She said, I don't want to hear that, Charlie. She said, you promised me that you'll help Christina uh, raise money and make the film. And I said, okay. She said, I want to hear you say it. Say it. Okay. I'll promise, Wilma, that I'll help Christina raise the money and you know, make sure the film gets done. She said, okay. So anyway, uh, a few days later she passed away and then we started working on the fundraising. And It's not the easiest thing, folks, for me. <laughs> but one thing I noticed about Wilma, she had a hard time uh, actually uh, was talking about making a movie, like Christina said. I'd been with her a couple of times when she would uh, always kind of was careful how she said it. And I'm saying, come on, tell them what the story's about. Well, it's about you, you know. And so uh, anyway, one one day we were sitting there with the the, uh, Choctaws and uh, the Chickasaws. Chiefs were sitting there and I'm sitting back there. And finally, I just sort of got real intense and I set up. Went up, pulled my chair up to the desk that we're sitting behind, sitting next to Wilma. And I said, let me tell you what this story is really about. I said, this story is about a rural community, no water, this and that, this and that. Went on. When I saw the chiefs pull the seats up to the desk and put their hands on the desk, I just started telling them what the story was all about. And, uh, and they did give some money. <laughs> they said they, they liked it, you know, so. Which was no small feat, right? Anytime no. you're trying to trying to raise money for something that most people don't uh, or have never been associated with, it's it's very difficult. But 
you did it and it, uh, it's turned out very well. Yes. I remember uh, in particular a case uh, many years ago where I had a small film that I was producing at AFI in Los Angeles. And uh, again, we were working with a small budget. I think it was about $5,000. <laughs> uh, it really uh, was going to cost about $15,000. Fortunately, I uh, again owe it to my friends at, uh, at Shumash. I called uh, a gentleman there by the name of Michael Lombardi and uh, said, Michael, you know, we need about five or $6,000 to finish this. Is there anything you can do to help? And he says, where do I send the money? So uh, it's just an example of, of what we can do together as people to help each other, to help films like this uh, be made. Uh, this was a very uh, small budgeted film. Um, but I've worked on films where we were talking about $500 million budgets. Uh, Tonto and the Lone Ranger came in at $500 million. And it's just almost unimaginable with the kind of money that, they, that is spent today on films. But here is a, a, a very poignant story about Native people uh, uh, pulling their bootstraps up and, and doing what has to be done in order to bring water to this uh, small town. And uh, they all worked hard to, to do that. So uh, that having been said, you've heard enough of me. I, I'd like to hear from the audience more than anything else. Um, we, we know all about this film. So if you have any questions about any part of the film and how that film was made and, or any of the characters in it, we'd appreciate hearing from you. We've got some mics out there so that um, please don't be afraid to ask any kind of a question. We, we'd really appreciate it. First of all, I'd like to thank you very much for bringing this film to our community. Thank you. And thank you to Sage for doing it and for Sarah. But more importantly, thank you for showing that community can be built and that what happened in Bell is possible everywhere in this country if we choose to do it. Um, how is Bell doing now and how is that connection still maintaining itself? Is it? Was there issues? How has that developed over the years? Now, is Bell to announce what the question is? Uh-huh. <clears throat> well, it's really doing about the same as it was back then. One of the problems in these rural areas is there's no uh, jobs, you know, and uh, because it was such a rural area, the infrastructure, the roads, and uh, the water line, uh, it would really take a bigger water line to really bring a company in to, if they were really going to be uh, do some uh, manufacturing of what it was. And uh, also... Uh, the uh, many of the people have gone there. You know, it's been 30 years ago since this project happened, and uh, and I think the uh, leadership has a lot to do with it too. Because Wilma was really more for communities, strengthening communities, and then uh, helping the people develop their own programs out in the rural communities. So uh, after she had left and. Uh, some of that sort of died out. But then the other thing that's happened is because uh, we worked in the uh, full-blood communities. The full-bloods believe in the concepts Godugi, where everybody works together. And if you have a project to do, uh, such as the water line or building somebody's house or repairing somebody's home, the community came together. God did the stella. Godug did the stella. And said, let's help this family. And, uh, you know, 
community way with the Gadugi. And uh, so now it's different also with the young people. It's not, I think we all are facing the same thing that uh, even sitting at the same table eating our dinner, somebody go to the bedroom with their own TV and somebody's in the living room with their own TV and kitchen's got a TV and it's sort of getting splintered in terms of the closeness like there was back then. So, but uh, overall, I think the community still has that concept of Godugi. Um, and sharing food like the deer was killed we share food in that way but it's not like to the extent it was but the school was also uh, about to be closed when we were doing this film and uh, so but we were able to go back in and save it and it's doing better and uh, but again it's just the uh, it's hard for small communities to really support themselves and if the leadership doesn't support those communities it's difficult for them to do what they really want to do and there's no tax base either so Christina. Um, as Charlie said both the um, nation leadership has an enormous impact and that's been very different um, but also in terms of the school they threw a lot of effort. We were able to save it through a group again. And one of the really positive things to come out of it was the school in the community was reminded of the Bell Project through the making of the movie. And one of the teachers at the school took it upon herself to um, institute a program that is now continuing, that um, asked the students each year what they would do to improve the school and how they would do it. And so that's become a positive way. And it, they also use the movie as a reminder of what people can do when they work together. And in the context of that, um, in, have that program every year. And the first thing that they wanted to do the first year was um, really beef up their library. And they did. And so it's positive. Do we have any other questions out there? Sure. I had a question, Charlie, though, about did you really not know about Gaduki until your grandfather told you? Did you really not know what? Did you know the concept of Gaduki before grandfather Did told you? Did you know the concept of The Gaduki. film seems to suggest that's where you learned it. Uh, I knew the concept, uh, the, uh, but it sort of was dormant for a long time. And then when we started working in communities, uh, it was at another community that I had heard that word. And uh, so and in our language, there's some things you can say that sort of has almost the same meaning. And we were in Kenwood, and uh, we were talking about doing housing project, and again, using Gadugi concept. And uh, so when I was talking about people helping each other, I said, we can all work together, help each other. And that's an old man, full blood, said, Skadugi uh, Hadi. And because you can say Skadugi, it means community. But if you say God do me, that means bread. So <clears throat> I said, uh, I'm not talking about bread, I'm talking about community work. You know? And everybody started laughing because 
that was uh, one of the words I wasn't really familiar with early on. And then, uh, I mean, I, I was not familiar with the word at the time. And uh, so and we got back outside. We were walking back to our vehicles. And the, uh, another man came up to me. He said, John uh, He said, did you know what he was talking about? I said, you know, after I said bread, I said, I felt kind of goofy and stupid. I said, I misunderstood. But I said, I heard dad and my uh, grandpa talk about it. I said, uh, I know what it means. He said, so that's where we started using the Godugi in, in the Bell community. When I would do the meetings in Cherokee and mainly the Full Bloods communities and Wilma would do the other end. And uh, a lot of times I interpreted for Wilma. And uh, so and then we started using Godugi and that's where a lot of it, we revived the term, and but it's been there, but it hasn't been implemented uh, in years, and so it sort of brought it back to life. Like I said, it reignited the God Doogie concept. That's not only project we did in Bell. Once we did that in Bell, uh, it was oh, it was really phenomenal what happened because uh, people is still back home. They don't have running water in their homes. Some of them still use wells, and I use a well. And uh, so they, uh, the uh, thing about that was uh, when Bell started that and then uh, Burnt Cabin, Briggs, it went anywhere from uh, using that concept, people using volunteer, volunteer labor, um, anywhere from there to 7 miles to uh, 29 miles, 33 miles long, just kept getting bigger communities kept coming in and they actually did and uh, the Indians and non-Indians worked together and the last project we was working on and before I left the nation we were doing a 66 mile self-help water line and uh, people were volunteering but the other thing was people from out of state would come in because they were really uh, intrigued about how we worked <clears throat> how that was you know and the thing about Bell was when we talked about the 18 mile uh, they when you see the map, the outline of the uh, the engineer drawing, it's a huge project, but we broke it down into two-mile section. Said we would work two miles, we quit, that's it. The other would take over. And, but it came, and it became competition to the groups. They wanted to do it faster and faster, so it also helped do the project faster. And uh, so, But also we also put people... Uh, there's a lot of things that happen with that project that just... Leaders emerged out of it. You know, people ran for office and uh, school board, deputy chief, uh, and county commissioners and all. And uh, we even put the people together that were at odds in uh, communities that didn't get along. We'd put them in the same group, and so they'd have to work. So also it sort of uh, mended some of the hard feelings that community people had towards each other. But it was a lot more than... You know, say, you know, Charlie, I, I, was, I was an operating engineer for many years and retired from there, but that backhoe belongs in uh, some kind of a museum, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, that, uh, that was an antique. Yeah. I think that goes well, back to maybe the 30s or 40s, yeah. somewhere well, back there. It, it, it was did, interesting. Yeah. That, it worked. It was interesting that uh, Wilma and I came in and really worked in the community, thinking, well, we're going to bring water to the community. You know, that's all we were doing, was bringing water, something very much needed in the community. And But then it got political. When it got political, that's when all these antique machinery started showing up and coming in. And, and they weren't trying to undermine us, not knowing. I was not involved in politics back then. And uh, uh, I asked Wilma, I said, what's going on, Wilma? What's all this stuff about pipes being delayed, delivery, and that back over there doesn't really work 
very well, you know. She said, it's politics, Charlie. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, and, and so uh, it's it's frustrating, but then after you, you get so frustrated, you got that the anger, that drive. You say, by George, I'll show these guys are not going to hold us down. <laughs> so you fire up the community. The community got fired up, and then uh, they really went to work, and uh, it was, uh, well, they didn't stop us, that's for sure. It just... Yes. Uh, yes, first of all, I'd like to say thank you to Charlie, and thank you to Christina, and everyone else who created this film. I found it extremely inspirational, and my question is, do you have major distribution of the film so that everyone in our country can see it, and globally, I guess, too, in the world? Do you have major distribution? Uh, I'll let Christina answer that. How glad I am you asked. Um, And we didn't plant her in the audience. Um, We... As of tomorrow, the film will be airing on Comcast and um, on video on demand. And we encourage you to tell all your friends to watch it and then buy it. <laughs> um, and it will we, as of yesterday, we launched our DVD sales. Yesterday was Wilma's birthday. She would have been 69. And today, by the way, is Wilma and Charlie's anniversary. And, so <laughs> and, and yesterday was her birthday, correct? Now, as I, I also need to say that you notice how low-key the love story was. Um, that was Wilma and Charlie were adamant this would not be a love story, which was one of the things people who knew what, the, they, what to do about movies always said, you need to beef up the love story. So this is the first time I've uh, had the opportunity to mention their anniversary. Um, <laughs> so, um, so people can go to our website, um, CW4W, the number 4W.com, and they can stream the movie. It will be available on iTunes within the week. And um, it's available on DVD, correct? Uh, it's available on DVD from our website, and we. We are really glad to be at this point. We did not want to sort of sell off to a distributor because we could have been the flavor of the week and lost control over image and all of those sorts of things. So we really want this to be something that that will continue to resonate, be shown in schools, We're also available through tug.com. You can arrange a screening in any theater and um, make it a fundraiser for any cause you care about. And it only costs you the price of the ticket. And so we really encourage... It's sort of... It's kind of the building community around this movie. Um, And... 
depending on people like you all, and I have cards I can give out after, after we're, we're finished. I also might uh, just interject and mention that uh, there is a PSA running on CBS uh, about the life of uh, Wilma Mankiller uh, and the fact that she uh, received the um, Gold Freedom Medal, correct? Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yes. And so that's on CBS. There will also be, uh, CNN is doing a piece in the next couple of days um, about the movie. They interviewed a good friend, Gloria Steinem, and um, Bonnie Raitt, who donated the use of a song there. And this was a community film, as you could see from the world's longest credits, in, <laughs> in that way, but it also was a community film beyond um, Tahlequah and Bell, in that um, Graham Nash, for example, was singing that duet in, of Amazing Grace, that amazing duet with Wilma's granddaughter, and Pixar did those beautiful final credits for free. And um, Skywalker Ranch really helped us do the sound. And sort of a, a lot of people pitched in to make this film um, possible and to make it good when you had two novice filmmakers. <laughs> Can we get uh, some more questions out there? So I'm very struck by what you're talking about, Mr. Soap, about this, um, the anger or, you know, these guys aren't going to stop us. We're going to get this done with the old equipment and stuff. Um, and I also saw that anger in the young woman when she said, you know, who do you think you are coming here? Um, so I guess what I was wondering, you know, how much of that was happening for you guys, that pushback, and um, how much of that is still going on? for young people um, in, in your area also? Yeah, there was a lot of mistrust when we went into the community, uh, and that's a whole new story, but uh, the anger part of it was uh, just that uh, because they, weren't, they were trying to stop us and they weren't going to stop us, and, but we had to get the community behind us on that part too. And, uh, but the mistrust towards the government, towards the BIA, Cherokee Nation, we really had to make a breakthrough in that. And so that's where sort of Jamie's coming in and saying, you know, and what I, the way I would interpret that was because promises had been made earlier to those people in Bell, and uh, nothing was delivered. And it really wasn't the fault of the nation or whatever it was because there was a policy in place that in order to get help from the government or the Cherokee Nation, you had to have a white card, say it's from the BIA saying you're an Indian. And... Uh, when and a lot of Indian people, uh, dark skinned, full bloods, uh, it was offensive to them. When you said you need to get you a card, say you're Indian, they'd say, "What do you mean I got to get a card?" Said I'm an Indian. I'm an Indian. I'm a full blood. Can you tell by looking at me? And uh, so, but that was the policy had to be enforced and saying you have to have a card. Well, once they got their card, the, the white card from the BIA saying they were Indian, then you had to tell them now you got to go to Cherokee Nation you got to get your tribal membership card. I said, why? I'm a Cherokee Nation member already. Why do I have to have a card? says, I'm a member of the Cherokee Nation. So those are some of the things we had to overcome. So it took a while for to do all that. And then so, uh, and that's where Jamie was coming in saying, you know, uh, 
Uh, what do you mean, tell him, my mom, this, you've told him this, you've told him that, this and that. There's always some obstacle we had to go through. So, but it took a while to get their trust and then also to get them on board. Once they started trusting Wilma and I, uh, and then really had to do it through the people, some of the leaders from the elders, from the leaders in the community, churches and church leaders and things like that. Once we kind of put all that together, then people just fell in place. But there's always a leader in a community who's going to try to uh, derail you because there was, uh, there was one in that community that was always trying to undermine everything, was trying to get sway people differently. And, uh, but after we had created that movement, he had no choice but to get on board. And so that was part of the anger that was... There's a lot of stuff that was going on with the anger part of it, you know, but it came out okay in the end. And, she was and I think the dynamic is, is constantly changing on our reservations and uh, the areas with which we live. I mean, uh, as an example, Los Angeles probably has the largest native community outside of any reservation. Uh, so there's a certain dynamism that's going on with our young people. Uh, one of the things that I admire and that I see and I try to inspire always is to get an education. Uh, and I think that's something that we're seeing more of today than we did even uh, 10 years ago. So uh, there's a lot of things going on in Indian country. Uh, yes, we still have to fight the bureaucracy and have to fight the governments in, in certain ways. But uh, we've always been a, a, a people that have always wanted to do for themselves. We've never wanted to depend on the government for anything. And we wish we hadn't have to didn't have to. But um, some of those things have come along uh, for decades and uh, have built up uh, to the extent that uh, our people have just decided to do it on their own. And uh, uh, that's exactly what we're doing all across the United States. We're uh, helping ourselves out instead of waiting for the bureaucracy to do it for us. In one addition to your question, uh, for example, that young woman you re referenced is, in fact, in college and uh, does have an agent. And a bunch of the young people who worked on the film got an opportunity to see opportunities that they hadn't seen before. James. And that's really important yeah. in terms of anger and positive outlook. Jamie has been in several films now. Yeah. She's done She's, really well. Yeah. Some great opportunities. Uh, again, like I said, I don't, I don't want to uh, uh, belabor the point, but uh, as an example on, on most of our reservations today that, that do have gaming, part of the uh, process of, of where the money goes that is derived from gaming goes to the infrastructure of the tribe for educational purposes. Uh, we've got our young people that, uh, the majority of them, uh, and just about any of them, that want to go to college, they get a full scholarship to college, they have to maintain certain grades. Uh, all of those things are happening. It's, it's a great thing that, uh, again, we've been afforded through uh, gaming, but uh, we're constantly trying to, to improve everything. And the other, I think, that's really a moving part of that movie was bringing people together was, as you saw in that movie, where uh, the money was just earmarked from the government just for Cherokees only. And we had uh, some white people live in that community. And when we got ready to start building that water line, uh, 
we was in that meeting, and this huge meeting you saw in the film was uh, there was a white man got up and said, and I was Wilma sitting here, and I'm sitting there, and and uh, he asked, he said, and as was, as I was talking, he said, Charlie, when do I get my water? And um, I didn't expect that kind of question. I said, um, I had to be honest with him. I said, well, I'm sorry, you can't get water because uh, this money is for Cherokees only. And, uh, of course, you can imagine the room just got real quiet. I knew I was in trouble. And, uh, so uh, the man uh, got up, full blood got up and said, Charlie, he said, that's not right. He said, this man is our neighbor. He's a friend. He's a human being. Has a need for water just like we do. He said, I don't like what you're saying. And uh, I said, well, you know, people go to jail for misusing federal dollars, and I really don't want to go to jail for misusing federal funds, you know. And so anyway, uh, another man got up, full blood got up, and he said, Charlie, why can't we as people in the community, why can't we Indians, why can't we Cherokees, didn't raise the money for the non-Indians, for the white people so they can get on the water line. And I looked at Wilma, and Wilma just grinned. She said, not a problem. And that's what they did. The community came together and had big sales like you saw and any kind of way they could raise money to put the non-Indians on the water line. And that took off to other communities. So now when we were building water lines, everybody got water, whether you were Indian or Cherokee or uh, non-Indian. And uh, so... It was, it was a good thing. It really helped a lot of people bring water to their communities. Kind of reminds me of a, of a, of a Lakota uh, saying that we have, uh, as uh, pronounced, and what it means is that we're all related. We're all human beings, regardless of the color of your skin, whether you're Shumash, whether you're Cherokee or Lakota like myself. Uh, we're all related, and we all need to get along. We all need, to, we all need each other. We all need water, as an example, uh, which is something that is um, just in the, in the headlines yesterday and today is the XL pipeline that's supposed to come from Canada all the way to Galveston Bay and then ship from there to China. We're not going to see any of that oil, but yet we're going to run the risk of damaging and contaminating the aquifers if there's leaks. So far... I believe there's been 44 leaks on that line that has started from Canada. So you have to pay attention to those kinds of things because, again, the precious water that we that sustains us is uh, in danger of being uh, contaminated by this pipeline. So uh, if you hear about it, uh, the Senate, I believe, passed or put it off and the House passed it. So... Uh, the those are the kinds of it. things that, that we need to pay attention to as human beings, I think. I know we're running short on time, but one more story for the animal lovers. Uh, <laughs> you saw the deer scene. Um, we needed the deer scene for, the, uh, for that part, and uh, someone had said, why don't we ask one of the guys from Bell to go get a deer for the scene? And uh, I said, no, we can't do that. That's, it's not in season, so we're not doing that. So uh, there was a group of... Uh, the crew was coming to the house for a prayer ceremony, and the guy that was uh, line producer uh, was in this van and saw the deer laying on the side. It was roadkill. He told the driver to stop, and the driver says, for what? He said, there's a deer back there. He said, we need to get it. So he said, where at? He said, it's in the ditch. He said, the ditch? He said, yeah. So he pulled over, and the guy goes over there and starts pulling that deer 
out of that ditch. And the guy said, that thing's been dead almost two weeks, looks like. He said, man, I don't, don't be putting it, what are you going to do with it? He said, I'm going to put it in the van. He said, we need it for the deer scene. He said, no, don't put that in there. So we got women, we got people in the van, you know. So, but the time, the pickup drives up. And uh, he told that guy, uh, get out of that truck, we need your pickup. So <laughs> they tossed that uh, deer into the truck and uh, and it's, been dead, like I said, about two weeks and didn't have a good odor to it. And so they took it down to the taxidermist and that taxidermist said, I'm not touching that. I said, no way. <laughs> and they said, we'll give you credit in the movie if you do this for us. He said, okay. He said, I'll do it. <laughs> they said, boy, it wasn't a very good time to be around that deer when he was cutting it open anyway. So, uh, Anyway, they said, well, it doesn't have horns in it. He said, we we've got to have horns. So he goes to the back room and drags in a big old trash bag and dumps it out, and all these horns fall out and said, okay. He said, take your pick. Which one do you want to put the deer? <laughs> so they picked out the big. He said, we'll take these. He said, now what? He said, well, I'll fix that. So he gets his uh, screw gun and it screws them into the head. <laughs> That's what you saw back there. It's a roadkill. So we didn't, there was no animals hurting that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and with that, I think I remember that one specific scene where Steve Rebus touches the deer and then he cleans his hand off yeah. afterwards. Yeah. If but you watch, if you get a DVD, watch a movie. That made me laugh first time I saw it. I'm really watching. He goes over there and kneels his, his down. And usually, when people kill, our people kill a deer, they'll pray. You know, thinking, uh, thinking that animal for their providing food for their family, for them, whatever. So I noticed when Steve went over there, he's kneeled down. He put his hand on it. You could see him. He's got. <laughs> I laughed. I never did tell anybody for a long time. And then finally I told Christina, I said, Christina, you ever see Steve when he touches that deer? He goes like this. And she just cracked up and laughed when she saw that. I said, yeah, I saw it. I saw it then. So, so when you all buy the film or watch it on Comcast, you'll have special things to look for. And make one of the things, so one of the things I want to say before uh, sure. Cindy closes out is... Uh, Wilma it was, a, it was a very special lady and uh, supported women leadership. One of the biggest things that went against her when she was running for office was, to my surprise, was because she was a woman. And, uh, but uh, the elders, my grandpa and uh, other elders came and supported her and this and that and, and the women. And, uh, and she, she has a real way, a good way of looking at the world, had a view of the world and saying, you know, Charlie, he said, a lot of the people, it wasn't me that just did this where I am. He said, I had support from people, like the audience. Your support meant a lot to her and uh, the women, the men, everybody. She, she always gave credit to everybody. And like she said, you know, the Native Americans make major contributions to our country but they never really get recognition for it and uh, so but in many places we've been it's inspiring to them and uh, Tornado and Oklahoma City you would think nobody was going to come to the movie, it's standing room only there must have been over 250 people came and they were inspired, said if we had shovels we'd go help clean up, I said then go to Lowe's and get some shovels, help clean up the town and uh, so that's the kind of inspiration it does And but she always gave credit to people like you supporting her, helping her and making her feel good when she came here so I want to say thank you all for that and, and Sarah McCune 
for making this screening yes. possible. Very Thank much. you Thank so you much. By all means. Thank you very much. So, on, uh, on behalf, uh, again, of Cherokee Word for Water and Wilma Mankiller and all the cast and everyone here and everyone that has helped us here at UCSB, thank you very much for being here and for listening to us. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.